Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your hour of drive time be- 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 begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of drive time. I want you to know today is an amazing show, my friends. Yet again, we're going to bring tremendous value as we do week to week to week. So if you're visiting our program for the very first time today, thank you for checking in with us. Hopefully you've had a chance to hear the good news about the program from others who have shared it, or maybe you've caught it online, or however you found this show, I am thankful that you are here. I want you to make this a part of your weekly listening, your thriving weekly listening, because it's going to change your life. It's going to improve and enhance your existence in this place to one degree or another. So thank you for joining us for this show. And for our returning listeners, thank you for continuing to support this particular show for now over three years. By the way, I get a lot of feedback and uh, oftentimes the feedback is, hey, Jay, where do we get your rest of your shows? That's super simple, my friends. You can go to the jmamietalkshow.com and there you will find all of my prior broadcast in a nice, neat way to locate them, click on them, and binge here to your heart's delight. I promise you, you won't walk away being the same person even after two or three shows. So go ahead and give that a shot. And by the way, make sure that you connect with me on my social media uh, platforms, on Instagram, on Facebook, it's at the J Mamie, LinkedIn, love to connect with you on LinkedIn as well, J Mamie, you can connect with me there, and also Twitter, the J Mamie, and shoot me an email if you've got something good to say or something not so good to say, I've reserved the right to delete it, <laughs> J at the J You know, today's a powerful show because I think oftentimes as we are running our careers, running our businesses, running our families, we miss out on the subtleties that can derail you, derail your organization, derail your home life without you even noticing that these subtle derailment type of experiences are happening right underneath the nose. And unless you pay attention to them, you'll find yourself so deep down in a dark place, whether it's your organization, whether it's you personally, whether it's your family, and you start to wonder, how did I get here? What happened along the way? How could I have missed the signs? Why wasn't I paying more attention? And there's nothing that can suck the, the, the air out of your growth and really just completely deplete you of thrive-minded energy than getting into a place where you start to question if what you did was right, where did you go wrong, and now you start to second-guess yourself. Well, that happens not only in a personal way, but it also happens in an organizational way. Let me share with you what I mean. Our two guests today are going to talk about two areas that I think are so important that it has to be spoken about. It's not sexy. Some of these conversations are not sexy, but they are 
absolutely direly needed and you need to pay attention. Imposter syndrome is something that if you're honest with yourself, if you are a high achiever, if you're ambitious, and even if you have a modicum of success in whatever you've done in your life, you've got to be honest and, and with yourself and, and confess that every now and then you feel like a fake and a phony. Isn't that true? We all feel that way. I feel that way sometimes, and not that, I, that I'm out there uh, intently deceiving anybody, and I'm sure you're not either, but there's just something about our internal wiring that even when we are operating at a high level of performance, we are rocking it. Sometimes we second guess whether or not we deserve the, the honor, we deserve the accolade, that we have, uh, we deserve to have a seat at the table with everybody else. And even though you might be considered one of the very best in your field and what you do, you still walk away sometimes, right? In those low moments, second guessing yourself. Well, that's an imposter syndrome. We all go through that. The challenge is recognizing when you're going through it and how to get out of it quickly. And one of our guests today is a subject matter expert in imposter syndrome. And we're going to have a great conversation with Maureen Zapala. She's an expert in the field of imposter syndrome, former Nassau engineer, turned global speaker on the subject. And boy, is she in demand. She's going to be with us today. And we're going to have a conversation about imposter syndrome. But the other very sneaky, subtle, operates under the radar, I mean, way below the surface, is what I think one of the most toxic ways that you can destroy an organization, whether it's a church, a business, a, a fraternity, anytime a group of people get together and there's a leader involved, sometimes you can have disengagement begin to creep in that organization, meaning you have people that just don't want to be there. They're disengaged. For a variety of reasons, they begin to disengage. They lose the luster. They lose the excitement. They lose the vision. And that goes back to the leader, the person in charge. That's the person that's got to be aware of when disengagement is happening or how to avoid it happening from the get-go. Well, a subject matter expert in that field is going to be joining us today. Nicole Valance is going to be joining us today. She is one of the most sought-after speakers in the field of disengagement and how do you as a leader not only uh, hedge your organization from experiencing that, but if you're in it and you're struggling with it, what do you do to turn that ship around? Nicole's going to join us a little later on the show and she's going to pour great wisdom into our program today. So I'm excited. Fantastic show. Let me share with you a little bit of my thoughts before we dive into the rest of the program and we go to break. You know that I have a segment called Thrive Talk. It's a brief segment and it's just adding value. Let me give you my thoughts on this week's Thrive Talk. And that is not shying away from the questions you have to ask of yourself or your organization. What do I mean? Too many times I have found that people are afraid to ask the tough questions of themselves for two reasons. Number one, they either don't know what the answer is, or number two, they know what the answer is going to be, but they don't like it. So you don't bother asking the questions, right? You know there's some questions, there's some things you've got to un reveal, you've got to uh, uh, unveil about yourself. And the only way you can do that, the only way you can peel away that onion 
is by asking tough questions. Well, let me give you what I recommend you do when you get to this place where you know I've got to start asking some very difficult questions of myself, of my group, if you were talking about you leading a group. And whether or not I'm going to like the answer, I have to ask the question. And if I like the answer, great. But more importantly, if I don't like the answer, am I mature enough to handle it? Am I going to be okay with the answer, even if it's not the answer that I want? Oftentimes, we don't ask the tough questions, again, of ourselves or of our other uh, leaders in our group or of our members of our organization because the answers aren't available. They're just not available. And that could be scary, right? Not having an answer to your question. As human beings, we don't deal well with uncertainty. So that can make matters worse. Sometimes people say, I would rather know there's no answer. Uh, I would rather, I would rather not even ask to, to find out that I'm asking there's no answer because that raises my level of concern even greater. So they don't bother asking themselves or others. But then the second component of that is, they don't want to ask because the answer that they're going to receive, they feel more than likely is not what they want to hear. So they don't bother asking it. I'm going to encourage you today to exercise emotional intelligence. Ask the tough questions. It's the only way you can grow. But here's how you grow to the 10th degree. Be ready to receive the answer, whatever that answer might be, whether it aligns itself with what you thought the answer should be or whether it doesn't support the answer that you thought that it would be, in fact, it might completely be antagonistic to what you thought that you wanted to hear. Be mature enough to handle the answers and deal with the answers, deal with the repercussions, deal with the changes that may need to happen from a healthy standpoint. And you will find that it may be rough in the beginning, but you will find that if you're willing to accept those answers, it'll help you mold, adjust, and think about the situation that you're in in a very different way. And that might be the very thing you need to continue growing and developing into the better version of you and the better version of your organization. Ask the tough questions. Folks, we're off to a fantastic start. Thrive Talk just set the tone for the rest of the show. We'll catch up with you after the break. I'm David Kazarian, president of Student Optimum Services and the licensed debt arbitrator. We have one mission in mind, to cut down the $1.7 trillion in federal student loan debt by as much as possible and help hardworking Americans just like you achieve financial freedom. Our process is not a settlement or a refinance. We are not a bank or a lender. We are on your side and we go up against these lenders to get you on track for student loan forgiveness by utilizing programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs are available to you regardless of the school you attended, your employment status or employment field. Over the past 13 years, we've helped thousands of borrowers save millions of dollars on their student loans. Student loan payments are resuming September of 2023, after being on hold for over three and a half years. So the time to take action is now. You have nothing to lose but your student loans. Visit www.studentoptimumservices.com slash to schedule a free consultation today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I mentioned earlier in the opening that I was excited about having Maureen Zapala, not only because she's from Staten Island and, you know, all of a sudden you start talking like that when you're from New York and that Staten Island. And, and we connect. We were actually introduced by one of my, our former guests, Chris Felton. Uh, who's a solid guy who's got his own uh, great things happening. But he said, hey, you've got to get Maureen Zapala on the show. And when I heard her topic uh, and what she spoke about, which was imposter syndrome, and knowing that there's so many who struggle with that, I had to reach out to her right away. We're like kindred spirits, right? We hit it off right away. And uh, so here we are having a great exchange uh, about to go down tackling imposter syndrome what you need to know again just to remind you about maureen zapala she's a former nasa engineer so you know this 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 woman's got some smarts right she's got some smarts and now she decided that at some point it was uh very it was uh, her calling almost to reach out to those that are struggling with imposter syndrome and share her heart into changing those lives and mindset and she's one of the top industry experts on the subject matter we've got her here today on the jay mamie talk show Maureen, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Oh, thanks, Jay, for um, having me and for that awesome introduction. Wow, very <laughs> cool, very cool. Yeah, well, you before, are my my brother from another. Yes, brother. yes, yes. That's right. That's right. See the the hands come out all of a sudden. Right. They, the Italian hands come out. <laughs> mouth starts moving. Hands start. That's moving. right. That's right. So, what I want to ask you, if you could share, though, Maureen, before we dive into all the goodness of what you have to offer, I'd like for you, though, to take us back a little bit on your story. I mentioned Nassau, but there's a lot of history behind you, where you were, where you came from, and where you are now. Can you get our listeners up to speed on that? Yeah. Uh, I grew up, like you said, I grew up on Staten Island, and my dad worked for the Port Authority. So I remember from a very young age being well aware of bridges and tunnels. And so I thought, I want to build them. So that mm. actually started my path onto engineering. When I got to college, I switched into aeronautics and aerospace engineering. Uh, got a job out of college with NASA in uh, aeronautics in jet propulsion research. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But I still felt like every day somebody made a big mistake in hiring me. I really never, mm. I didn't think I was smart enough. Mm. I thought, yeah. well, they only hired me because they needed more women. This mm -hmm. was, you know, this was quite a few years ago. Um, even though I did a great job, I still felt inadequate. Mm. Uh, I left NASA for uh, good reasons. Nothing bad happened. It was just time to move on. It was years later that I found out about imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I felt at NASA. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. In spite of evidence that said I was qualified, I didn't believe it and I felt like a fraud. So that launched me onto a personal journey of studying it. And as a keynote speaker, I, I show people how to overcome it, silence mm-hmm. it, quelch it, move on, get on with the business of loving their world, their life, their career. You know, what's interesting is that the best coaches I've learned are the ones who not only, uh, they don't just talk, talk, they've walked and walk, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a world where there's so, we're saturated, inundated with coaches. Most of them are just talking the talk. They haven't walked the walk. So yeah. it's only when you walk the walk as you did, feeling like an imposter, even though you're very successful, I mean, top level engineer at NASA, um, you earned your seat at the table. You still didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, only, un- and only, un- yeah. And only until you actually feel that or, or walk through that, can you really adequately speak upon that? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why you're the expert, but okay. So now you feel like an imposter, right. And you're, but you're still cruising through a great career. You wrap up your career. What was it then at that point that inspired you to, to launch a career as a, as an expert in this industry, speaking on this topic, you could have kept quiet and done something else. What inspired you to do that? I yeah right. I could have, uh, but yeah, keeping quiet not my strength. So. No, 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 no. You're, you're Italian from Staten Island. We don't ask Italian, anybody no. in my world. Yeah, right, the yeah. girl never stops talking. Yeah, no, no, no. just thing I like that. Well, I knew that I I left engineering, uh, was at home raising a few kids, loved my kids, but really did feel like there was something else out there. Became a speaker, oddly mm-hmm. enough, uh, through my involvement with Toastmasters and with, I taught a junior high girl Sunday school class, loved it, found out I was pretty good at presenting, thought, oh, maybe I can make money at this, was teaching leadership skills, but I didn't, I did I just didn't love it. Mm-hmm. It was so vanilla. There's leadership speakers everywhere. And when I landed on this topic of imposter syndrome, literally, Jay, I'm telling you, my soul came to life. Wow. And I thought, this speaks to my soul. It, mm-hmm. it lights me on fire. Surely there are other people that that would happen to as well. So I cha- I made a major pivot in my topic from just generic leadership specifically to imposter syndrome, which actually bleeds well into leadership, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in many other, uh, you know, core areas, core competencies. So uh, found my fit, found my, I flourished and I'm having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job at a recent convention, a huge convention there in Vegas. That's, that's where Chris Felton had a chance to hear you speak. And that's where right. the connection came. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I know that firm, that firm doesn't just pick any, uh, you know, lightweight, uh, and the topic certainly isn't a sexy topic. I mean, you and I spoke about that. There are so many others out there that yeah. they would never confess yeah. that they're struggling with this imposter syndrome because number one, they don't want others to, to see their weakness. But number two, they don't want to have anyone second guess who they, they're working with or who they've hired, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. A- at the root of it, right? Uh, and your studies and your observations and your personal experience What's at the root of feeling like an imposter? And, and feel free to take as long as you want to answer this, because I know it's a heavy question. And what does an individual need to do, as you said earlier, to overcome that and not drag that dead weight around for the rest of their, their lives? 
Yeah, great questions. And I'm going to resist the temptation to give you my entire 60-minute keynote. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> stop me if I get too long. But okay. here's, two, here's two aspects of it. In fact, I was just talking about this this morning uh, with a potential client from a significantly sized aerospace firm. So I'm really excited that you're asking this. Um, two aspects. One is the system in which we are in. And the system meaning the corporate culture, our, our family of origin, our a national culture that we came from, our history. There are external things that feed into you feeling like an imposter, right? And then there's the second aspect is our own response to it. Uh, what can I do? I, maybe I can't change the culture, but I can certainly change my response to it. It's basic personal responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. But at the core of both of those is the human condition of feeling shame. Uh, and and that's different from guilt. You know, guilt right, says right. I, I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. Mm. Uh, anytime we look, think, feel, act, or sound different from the people around us, uh, we'll feel out of place, which mm. can cause us to feel less than or not that we don't measure up in many areas, whether it's mm -hmm. professional or personal. Mm -hmm. And that then is the petri dish. The petri dish the birthplace of imposter syndrome. It says, I'm just not as smart or as qualified or as competent or as prepared or as deserving as everybody else thinks I am. So it's definitely a core emotion of shame. Now, how do you fix that? There's many ways. Uh, you can certainly talk yourself through it. That's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, what you just said too, a lot of people don't admit it or don't uh, are afraid to verbalize it. I, I understand that, but there is power in kind of connecting with others who feel the same. Sure, absolutely. It uses the power uh, that it has over you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also encourage people to be really rock solid, accurate, and truly objective about their competencies. And not just their skills and abilities. You know, skills can be learned. And of course, they're developed over a lifetime. Education and experience can certainly develop your skills. Uh, but your character qualities take you even further. You know, if you, for example, I always say imposter syndrome screams the loudest in times of transition. Mm. Transition maybe to a new job, mm -hmm. uh, a new company, a new culture. Uh, some For some people, a new day, you know. Right, <laughs> right. so predictable. Uh, your skill may get you this far and you think, well, I don't know if I could do it that far. Well, okay. Count on your character qualities. Are you, um, uh, are you positive? Do you get along with others? Are you creative? Are you curious? Are you uh, flexible? Those are character qualities that'll get you over that hump. You know, I think one of the things that you said that said hits a nail in the head is your deficiencies, right? And I think part of the problem when someone struggles, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think any high achiever, if they're honest, they have to admit that at some point in their lives, they either struggle with it uh, to a great degree or to a nagging degree, right? Mm -hmm. If you're honest, right? Mm -hmm. I think even if you ask them the top folks in the world will say that they struggle with that at a very subtle level. But I think part of that is what you said. You have to identify your deficiencies, mm -hmm. but I think you also have to identify, uh, identify your efficiencies. In other yeah. words, I recognize I'm not good at that, but man, I'm good at this, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'm really good at these three, four, five, six, seven things. Yeah, I might suck in those two or three things. I got to work on that. But you know what happens, I believe, 
at least this is my own observation working with people too, that we're so quick to acknowledge and put more spotlight on the deficiencies yeah. than mm -hmm. the actual skill sets. I mean, do you find that being- Oh, you know, accurate? you're so right. And I don't, I, I wish I knew why we did that. Why do we default to that lowest denominator, you know, right. in math terms that a lot of people understand. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we don't do anything without it accomplishing something for us, right? Mm -hmm. So for some reason, some people just, uh, we, we, sink down to that because it accomplishes something. What does it accomplish? Hmm, I don't know. It keeps me safe. Maybe it keeps me uh, from failing. It keeps mm. me uh, comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, but what's the cost of that? Correct. Are you missing out on opportunities? Uh, are you uh, missing out relationships? Are you missing out on uh, personal growth? You have to really weigh the cost. Yeah, it may feel safer to go down here at the bottom, but what are you missing out on? What did you do when you started to get into that dark place? Because I can almost hear the listeners right now. And I, I get tons of feedback from listeners. I, I open the channels up for, for feedback on an ongoing basis. And I get it from all over the place. Most of it is good. <laughs> Most of it is positive. Um, but people oftentimes, they ask questions. Well, so how does she do it? How do you, they want the how to's. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to ask you personally, as you struggled with that imposter syndrome uh, throughout all those years successfully in NASA, how did you manage it? What did you do to convince yourself that I'm worthy of where I'm at? Yeah. Uh, it, well, let me tell you this. Uh, it, imposter syndrome never completely goes away. Mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. experience it. But now I have learned strategies to uh, quicker talk me off the cliff. And mm -hmm. here's the thing that I do mostly is I... I challenge the assumptions. I challenge the thoughts. I put my immediate responses on the witness stand, drill down to find out what evidence supports that assumption. Mm. Uh, why do I believe it? Where did it come from? Is it even mine? Did that mm. thought come from somebody else? Is it somebody else's opinion? Um, find the evidence to either support it or to negate it. And then if you can't find enough evidence to support holding on to that thought, then do different, make a different decision awesome. and, and make it boldly and often immediately. Um, I was at years ago, I um, was asked to co-write a book about Ohio State football, right? I, I li I've lived in Ohio for many, many years. I live in mm -hmm. Las Vegas now. And I thought, okay, I, I don't know much about Ohio State football. I love football but not much about <laughs> Well, the guy who asked me to do it, he was the expert. So I kind of, I kind of went through this thought process. Do I have to know everything? No, that's mm -hmm. his job. Mm -hmm. Am I a good writer? Actually, I am. People mm -hmm. tell me that all the time. Do I love football? Yes. Um, what would happen if people found out that I didn't, that, that I, I, I'm a big Notre Dame fan? Well, what are my Notre Dame friends going <laughs> to say when they find out that I wrote about Ohio state? And I thought, well, gosh, players and coaches and front office people, they flip loyalty all the time. They are mm -hmm. constantly moving from one to another. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't I? So I evaluated each one of my objections. And when I found out there was a very thin thread holding them to, to I was like, okay, let go of it and wrote the book. And it was a huge success. You know, I, I love something that you said, which was key. Um, when you are challenged with those thoughts, right, those those imposter syndrome thoughts, those self-doubting thoughts, search for the evidence, yep. right? Put yourself on the witness stand 
and challenge yourself with, hey, okay, so you say that you're a fraud. Show me the evidence. Yep, exactly. And exactly. In, in, in any court of law, you know, if the evidence is underwhelming, yeah. you're not convicted, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So brilliant, brilliant technique. What I'd like to do, Maureen, is I, I want our listeners to know where to learn more about you. You mentioned a book, if you could share that. And what does someone need to do in order to get in touch with you for the services you provide? Because there's a lot more we're going to cover. We're going to have you back for sure. Um, Absolutely. Because this is a a huge topic that needs more time devoted to it. Um, But where can they find you? And and, and tell us a little about this book you spoke of. Yeah, the best way to uh, learn more about me is through my website. It's uh, MaureenZ.com. So first mm-hmm. name, last initial.com. On there, you'll find information about my keynotes, my follow-on programs. And I've written actually four books. Uh, that book that I reference, it's it was a side hustle. It was about mm-hmm. Ohio State football. I've also written a book about imposter syndrome. I've okay. done some coaching and training on um, presentation skills as well. So I have a book on that. But everything, all my resources are available at my website. And I'm also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and um, LinkedIn. Well, we're going to put your information up at our site anyhow so people can track you down, ready reference. We always ask our guests before we say goodbye to give us one golden nugget, one action nugget, something implementable, actionable that a person who may relate to what you're going through, what we're speaking about today, can say, if I do nothing else, if I take nothing else away from this episode, this broadcast, I'm going to do this today. What is that this morning that they can do? I guess the this would be to recognize, realize, and really internalize the fact that you're not alone Mm. in imposter syndrome. There's nothing wrong with you for Mm -hmm. feeling imposter syndrome, and there is a way through it. Wonderful. Maureen, we appreciate you being on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. You've been a gold mine, a gem of information. I think we packed 10 pounds of groceries in a two-pound bag here. (laughs) I do that. I'm good at that. (laughs) And we look forward to having you back. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. It's been a treat. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Are your emotions leading your responses to situations, or are you living a life where all your capabilities are in balance? This is Randy Bowles, the Coherence Warrior. With disciplined behavior of less than 10 minutes a day, I live more efficiently and effectively with inspired actions. Let me help you learn how to use your heart's intuition to guide your brain to lead your mental, physical, and spiritual capabilities to higher levels for longer periods of time. Visit CoherenceWarrior.com and I look forward to serving you. One of your most important assets as a business owner is your intellectual property or IP, including trademarks and patents. This sounds fancy, but it just means protecting any name or logo your company uses, how your products are built, how they work, or how they look. Rosenthal IP Law is here to walk you through the process every step of the way. We take the time to understand your business and we'll work with you to protect what's important to you and your business. Visit us at Rosenthal.law. Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Welcome back 
to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm excited about our next guest here, Nicole Valance. And by the way, that's a pretty cool last name, Valance. Anybody who's got a cool name belongs on the show. See, if you're like Tim Murray, you're probably not getting on the show. <laughs> but Nicole Valance gets on the program, not only because of a cool name, but much more important than that. She was recently introduced to me by one of our other prior show guests, uh, an incredible guy named Chris Felton, who said, hey, you've got to have this woman on your show because her messaging is so on point. When she speaks about one of the cruxes that uh, oftentimes it becomes toxic within corporate environment, any organization environments, and that is when you have people that are disengaged. And you and I both know that as a, uh, from a leadership standpoint, if your organization is disengaged, good luck with having any production. Good luck with having any mean, meaningful performance. Good luck with any advancement, any growth. They're going to be stagnant. And that's a problem that has to be addressed immediately. So she's a subject matter expert in the area of how do you get people engaged again? But much more importantly, what's at the root of it? So joining us today on our spotlight is the subject matter expert, renowned speaker. She has credits and a resume that I could spend hours on, but we're going to let her share her story. So Nicole Valance, welcome to the Jim Mamie Talk Show. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful and excited to be here. Nicole, before we dive into all the good news you've got going on, all the, the great messaging, and you're speaking everywhere these days on a very important topic, can you help our listeners, though, with just a little bit of your backstory? Sure. I am very passionate about engaging teams, developing leaders. So I grew up, my grandma uh, was the ice cream lady, and my grandpa worked for Wonder Bread. Uh, my mom was an oncology nurse, and my dad was an engineer. And so I grew up with a love for people. I mean, everyone was over at my grandma and grandpa's house all the time. They were blue collar workers. And, you know, I saw my mom and my dad, you know, they did what they could. They were both raised, you know, very poor. And so they worked hard. We were upper, upper middle class and they did what they could do to provide for our family. And they ended up doing really well. But Jay, like, I don't think that they loved going to work. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. Uh, they could not wait to get home. They couldn't wait for vacation. And, you know, I didn't realize it um, until like I'm reflecting these days on the people and the circumstances that have really impacted me and shaped me. And mm -hmm. I am so passionate about the opportunity that we have as leaders to create cultures and environments that people want to be a part of. People spend most of their time away from their friends and their family at mm -hmm. work. And mm -hmm. so I think it is our responsibility as leaders to create environments that our grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, people that are not going to start companies that are not going to be the CEOs and the business leaders to create those environments and opportunities that people want to be a part of. And so I'm super passionate about it. I think that it absolutely matters. Um, we've got one life, one mm -hmm. opportunity. That's right. If we've been given responsibility as leaders, then my goodness, let's serve not only our customers, but our employees and our team as well. You know, I completely agree. You know, that there's a lot of responsibility that comes when you are given, uh, whether you are promoted to a, a title of, of, of leader, meaning that the title requires you to have leadership skills, or you're the guy at the bottom who has grassrooted that growth from the get-go, you are a leader, 
right? And and that's nice to be considered one, but boy, the responsibility is huge. And if you fall short um, on that responsibility, it, the the effects are rippling through an organization that can be detrimental to the growth of that organization and the spirit of the people working for that organization. So I completely agree, but there had to be something in you that you saw um, as uh, really as the, as the trigger for you to get involved as an impact maker in this industry, in the industry of, of, of speaking and coaching, corporate coaching, where you observed something was happening. What was it that inspired you? What was it that you saw that you observed happening in the culture of organizations that you said, hey, somebody's got to address this and that let it beat me? What was that? Well, so my background, Jay, is um, ministry. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. And, um, and I'm very passionate. I saw what happened when I planted my very first church, we had over 350 volunteers and I saw what happened in people's lives. Jay, you know, when you have a church that large, people listen to our messages in 140 countries. We had five staff over, like I said, 350 volunteers. And I saw what can happen in people's lives when they believe in the mission, when they are Mm -hmm. given opportunities to lead, when they are fully engaged then miracles can happen. I mean, people's mm. lives are absolutely transformed. And um, I appreciate the church. I believe there's a lot of great work that we can do in changing people's lives. Uh, I gave my life to Christ when I was 19. And so I'm absolutely passionate about um, impacting people for Christ. But I think our greatest opportunity, I was just, I was recently the keynote speaker at LA Style Magazine um, award ceremony with, you know, Jamie Kern Lima and Devon Franklin. And I was talking about distribution channel. I was saying, you know, there is a mission and a purpose and a thing that God is doing in the world today. And he is looking for distribution channels. And oftentimes there is this myth between the sacred and the secular. And we think that the churches and maybe the pastors are the important people. No. It is the business leaders. It is the business owners that are in the marketplace that have the greatest opportunity to change people's lives. We think that missional work is just tied to nonprofits. It is tied to nonprofits and to churches, but I think sometimes we underestimate how impactful our leadership and our company can be in people's mm-hmm. lives. And so, um, you know, through my work with the church and then now what I do, I work with churches and I say mission-driven leaders who have a purpose that they really care about Um, because in the same way that we can change people's lives through a church or a nonprofit, we can change people's lives in an organization. Um, And so that, that I think seeing the impact that we can have, yes, within the four walls of the church, but greater outside of the church. Most people aren't going to come to church, Jay. And so if we want to impact people's lives and change people's lives, we have to take advantage of the opportunity we have not just for the mission and the purpose of our company, but for the kind of culture and atmosphere that we create Monday through Friday, nine to five um, for the people that we're leading our team. You know, I didn't know that your background uh, was that involved in ministry, um, which is amazing because that is a place where you find whether or not you have great leadership at the helm or poor leadership at the helm, right? Um, and, uh, that's a whole other conversation, but I'm glad that you had a chance to recognize that, Hey, if it's happening in, in a ministerial ministerial organizational uh, structure, it can happen in a corporate organizational structure as well. Right. No, I think, yes, it's so impactful. It's, it's very important. Let me ask you. So you have a leader that is, uh, paying attention to this, this broad, uh, broadcast and they, they recognize that whether they're leading for 
or 4,000, right? It doesn't matter. The dynamics are the same. What are some of the early warning signs that a leader should pay attention to that there is disengagement starting to creep into that culture? So, Jay, I'm so glad you asked this question. We are not separate from the culture that we create. And so the number one way that you can tell if your people are disengaged is if you are. So mm. if you don't want to get up and, and go to work, if you don't like meetings, if you don't like the people that you work with, if you are just mm. going through the motions to pay the bills and hit your numbers and, and clocking and clocking out, then guess what? So are they. Mm. If you don't feel like people care about you and the company, then they feel like you don't care about them and their family. If, if you feel like you're constantly having to spin plates and keep all the balls in the air, then guess what? That's because you're the only one that's trying to spin the plates and keep the ball in the air. If you feel alone, if you feel like it's hard and you feel like it's heavy, then people aren't engaged because if we're leading in a way where everyone is engaged, Jay, it becomes mm -hmm. so much fun. If mm -hmm. we are passionate about the purpose of our company, that can't help but spill over into the, to the people that we lead. And so the number one way to look for a disengaged team is to not look out, but to look in. That's a powerful answer, you know. I, that, that's that's such a clever and, and insightful answer because you're right. As opposed to looking outwardly, let's start looking inwardly. And uh, what you reflect uh, on the outside is usually something that's happening on the inside, right? Isn't that true? So if the leader is disengaged, there's a good chance that the organization is disengaged as well. And you know, I got to tell you something. Just as you were saying that, my mind went through just a recollection of experiences that I've had. Uh, either with my own businesses or seeing other businesses. And that is absolutely true. I found when I'm not interested, I show, uh, I, I, I display this, this vibe of, of also disengagement if I'm not interested, right? But when you're on and you're interested, people will notice that and they will reciprocate the same vibe. So a brilliant answer. Let me ask you soft skills, all right? So there's, there's important soft skills that a leader needs to have in order to to really make the most impact in the organization, uh, to engage the team, increase profitability. What are those soft skills that we're talking about here? So um, Daniel Goleman, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, um, he talks about the four areas of emotional intelligence. He wrote mm -hmm. an article for Harvard Business Review called Leadership That Gets Results. And he says that the leaders that have the greatest impact on the organization are able to effectively operate in the six styles of leadership. In the same way that if you're playing golf, you have to be able to use your driver, your um, putter, mm -hmm. your sand wedge. You have right. to be able to use these styles. And the style that has the greatest impact on an organization is the visionary leader. So this is the leader that sets the end. This is the leader that sets the destination. They say, this is why we exist. This is where we're going. Mm. But they give the people on their team opportunity to weigh in and make decisions about the best way to accomplish that, that vision. And they check in with them and give them feedback on a regular basis for mm -hmm. the ways that they're doing well and the ways that they're not doing well. And Jay, uh, I've developed a mobilization model for businesses. And one of the first things that I tell leaders to do is we think that it's our staff meetings that are important and they are. And we think that it's, it's, it's orientation for new hires that's important. And it is, but the most important meeting that you can have as a business owner, as a leader, is the one-on-one -on -one meeting that you have with mm. your direct reports each and every single week. Mm. 
It Mm -hmm. is irresponsible of us to lead a company or to lead a team or pastor a church and not be meeting with uh, no less than three and no more than 12 of the people that report to us each and every single week. And it's in that meeting that you communicate, cast vision for why we exist as an organization. We celebrate the values and the decisions Mm -hmm. that people are making that are in line with our culture, the kind of company, the kind of church that we want to create. And then we help them and we hold them accountable to exactly what they're doing to drive the bottom line to accomplish the mission. And so those are, that's a systematic way that you can make sure that you are using the the number one style of leadership in casting vision. Daniel Goleman interviewed 3000 executives on the areas of emotional intelligence. And so he tied these six leadership styles to the four areas of emotional intelligence and the visionary leader, the person Mm -hmm. who will cast vision Mm -hmm. in my model, do it in these ways in the one-on-one meetings has the greatest impact on the organization. You know, you said so many good things. I mean, like, what, one of the cool things that I enjoy personally about this particular show, um, Nicole, is the knowledge bombs. I, I, they're just like, they drop every episode. There's always a knowledge bomb that is dropped by the guest. You dropped about four <laughs> in like the last minute. And uh, I don't even have time to go, but you said a couple of key things. Number one, uh, that it's important to have individual meetings with your top people, right? Um, you also said that it's important to make sure that your folks have an opportunity to uh, respond, to give feedback, to, to get involved, to get them engaged. Because I have seen organizations where there's only one voice and that voice is it, right? Maybe two voices. People never have a chance to give input, to give feedback. And so they don't feel like their opinion matters. They don't feel like their, their thoughts uh, or their input is even validated. And when I think when a person doesn't feel validated in a group setting, this engagement is going to occur at a rapid pace. I mean, that, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yes. You know, one of the tools I teach leaders to use, if, especially if they're doing Zoom meetings, is to use Fathom Note Taker. Because Fathom Note Taker, you can invite it into a meeting and it will actually tell you the percentage of time that you are talking. Wow. <laughs> you are talking more than 30% in a Zoom meeting. That's a tall tale sign that you're not getting enough collaboration and input and feedback from your team. Wow, I need to I need to get two of those. <laughs> One that in case it breaks down <laughs> or runs out of battery. That's amazing. You know, I've never heard of a tool like that. So we're gonna have to make sure that we put that in our in our uh, on our on our newsletter because I think a lot of leaders aren't even aware that a program like that exists to help them monitor uh, how much uh, how much talking they're doing. Right. Um, so that's key. L- let me ask you another question about meetings. We're talking about meetings, right? There is no shortage of meetings in the in the company's uh, environment, organization environment. I mean, uh, my brother's a realtor. He's a realtor in, in New York and runs one of the biggest offices, most successful offices up in Westchester County, in New York. And they have their meetings weekly. Um, and even sometimes he dreads having those meetings like every manager. After a while, you just dread having those meetings, especially if it's a sales organization or or a performance organization. So in terms of picking and choosing the meetings that mean the most, which is the meeting that a leader should really carry the most weight on? The one that's going to engage their team the most and increase their their profitability? Because not every meeting is going to do that. Picking and choosing, which is the best one? 
Sure. So there's four meetings that are non-negotiable that you must have, you must be present for. And Jay, if you don't like these meetings and how they're run, guess what? You're in charge. You are the boss. Make it happen. You know, when we have a childlike mentality, Jay, let me just be honest with you, like, and a lot of adults and a lot of grownups and a lot of people that are in charge still have this, I got to do the meeting and I'm going to blame. And no, you're an adult, you're a leader, you're a grown-up, create a meeting that you love. One of my clients, um, Amanda, she leads a company called Venture, um, uh, App Adventure, excuse me. It's Mm -hmm. the number one women-owned tech company in the United States. She's got 65 employees on four continents. And one of the things that I'm working with her on is the four meetings that she has to have and how to run these meetings. The one-on-one meetings that I talked about, the weekly leadership meeting, okay? There has to be a monthly all employee meeting, all employees, all employees. And then when you're doing your new hire orientation, that needs to be a meeting that you as a CEO, business owner, or one of your direct reports that you have poured the mission and culture and vision of the organization into. And in all of those meetings, you are casting vision for why the organization exists and renewing people's commitment to it. You are celebrating the kind of culture Mm. that you create. Culture is what we stand for. And what we tolerate, what we celebrate and what we tolerate. And so if commitment to the mission, commitment to the culture, and then acknowledgement of this, of the things that people are doing to accomplish that, that the mission, exactly what they're doing, celebrating that, giving awards, making a big deal. A lot of leaders, Jay, they will put their nose up at some of these things that I'm talking about. But let me just tell you something. It's called the great resignation. Employees Mm -hmm. put on companies long before they actually put in their two weeks notice. That's right? right. That's right. And so it is important that we lead in this way, the command control submit, that's, those are the dinosaurs. Okay. There's, 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 so to speak, a new sheriff in town and organizations. And it's the leaders that are going to lead this way. They're going to say, Hey, it matters that I cast vision for the mission. It matters that I celebrate culture. It matters that I give the trophies and the awards and the accolades, to the people that are actually doing what I want to do. And it needs to happen in our one-on-one meetings and our weekly leadership meetings and our monthly all employee meeting. And then in our new hire orientation, where we as the senior leader or one of our team members goes over why we exist, our culture, and our strategy for getting it done. Yeah, I love that. That right there sounds like uh, effective meetings in the making when you do outline it and with, with that purpose, right? They have to have purpose. You know, one of the things that used to, I don't know, just, just bug me, got under my skin when I was an employee, because I noticed it. I noticed it, uh, and I was a social worker, so, so more of a nonprofit organization. It was This is when I was in New York. Um, but I would notice that the director of that organization, of that nonprofit, it was a pretty big one in New York, too. It was a state-sponsored one. Uh, you could do 95% of the things right. No recognition. Do that five, that one thing wrong, and you get special recognition. <laughs> right? So 95, 99% of the things, you're doing it right. You do that one thing wrong, and that's what they recognize. And I could see that become, at least for me anyway, when I saw that, when I experienced that, it was demoralizing, right? I, I mean, people that are demoralized disengage, right? Uh, so I agree with you. Let's 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 cheerlead the good things that are being done and, and just point out when things are not being done right, but don't make that the highlight. Let's balance it out with recognition for what's being done correctly as well. In our last minute here, I got one question for you. So you say that you don't need to hire the right people to grow. That's quite the opposite of what you hear in terms of common wisdom. So what do you mean by that? Okay. That's what you hear people say all the time. You need to hire the right people. 
Patrick Lanzioni says it like this. If you can get everyone in the organization rowing in the same direction, you can dominate in any industry, in any market, against any competition at any time. You don't need to hire the right people. You need to be the right kind of leader. Here's the truth, Jay. 80% of the workforce are disengaged and one out of every five of those are miserable at work. Mm -hmm. But 70% of employee engagement is directly tied to that employee's relationship with their direct supervisor. Wow. And so you, it's shocking. Gallup did that study in in 2019 and they found that the, that the supervisor or the boss that will have these one-on-one meetings with their direct reports, which Gen Z especially, 60% of Gen Z say that they want weekly, if not daily check-ins from their manager. If your listeners will make this one small pivot into these one-on-one meetings where they're celebrating the, the, the culture, the strategy, the, the why we exist, it will transform their organization Leaders that have engaged teams, not only do they multiply their impact, but they increase their profitability by 23%. Disengagement, Jay, costs U.S. companies alone $450 billion every single year. And so to say that our meetings or these soft skills that we're talking about is irrelevant, no. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely relevant to the bottom line. And the number one thing that impacts your organization is not people not meeting their sales quota. It's It's not people suck, no. No, no, the number one differentiating factor in your organization is you. And if you will do the job that is required of you as a leader, your responsibility, it'll change your entire organization. Be the right kind of leader and you'll develop the right kind of people. Nicole, your, your wisdom and knowledge is phenomenal. Obviously, you are a subject matter expert. The impact and the insight that you bring to the table, every company should be seeking you who is struggling. Uh, or you don't have to be waiting around to find yourself disengaged with, with struggling with disengagement, uh, with, with environment and corporate employee disengagement. Don't wait around for that, right? Now's the time to learn how to keep the momentum going where they're engaged and they stay engaged. Don't wait for the crisis to find the expert to get you out of the mess that you might be in. Nicole Valens, we appreciate you being on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We're going to have your information up at our website so that those that want to continue to dialogue with you can find you quickly. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much, Jay. It's great to be here. Well, folks, that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Incredible content for you to implement, take action upon, and thrive. Until next Monday, keep thriving.